Well, good morning. It's so good to have you with us. We want to welcome everyone else joining us from around the world and whatever auditorium you're in or at home. It's just great to have you joining us here at Springs Church. We always pray for our leaders. Thank you. Um, and so let's do that as we open in prayer. Father, thank you for our nation. Thank you for a nation that stands for freedom. We thank you, Father, for truth, the whole truth. We pray, Father, that justice, Father, would reign. Father, we ask for the leaders of government and business and health care, leaders, Father, in the area of arts, entertainment, education. Father, we pray that they would stand for freedom, that they would stand and serve with that leadership position. And wherever they don't, we just pray you move them out in Jesus' name right now. And Father, raise up leaders after your own heart that will stand for freedom. And that, Father, the years and the decades ahead, we will have a country that continues to grow freer. We thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. I don't know how many um, follow along with our newest television program. Uh, if you're new here in our church, we have two television channels that are across the nation of Canada. And a lot of the shows that we produce here are around the world in multiple languages, uh, TV stations and other countries, etc. And uh, so one of our newest shows is called Return to Reason. And it is a show that does events, issues, current events. It's nonpartisan, it's not political, um, but it takes the issues that Canada's going through and it interviews experts. It begins to gather data from around the world uh, so that people can know what's happening. Um, I've probably gotten more critique lately for just standing up and talking about issues than I have in a long time. And I've just told people I refuse to be an irrelevant church. And if you're going to be a Christian that doesn't even want to know what issues are going on around the world, you're naive. So, and so I encourage you to go there. It's called Return to Reason. You just go to returntoreason.tv or you can go to leonfontaine.com and you'll see uh, a lot of programs. There's, there's two kinds. There's both interviews of people in the middle of these issues, or we've got a research team uh, that begins to gather information on different topics. The newest one we just got out is one of the top lawyers right now dealing with court cases in Canada called Leighton Gray. Uh, it was probably one of the most amazing conversations I've had with a lawyer that's standing up for freedom. You're gonna love it, so make sure and check that out. Tell your friends about it. I got on a plane a few years ago, and as I sat in my seat, this guy sat down beside me, and he was kind of looking at me funny. He was just a little bit different, and uh, so I didn't know what was happening. Sometimes when I get on a plane, I just hope I can nap or, you know, I just get a break and a rest, and this guy decides he's going to witness to me. <laughs> and... Sally always gets on my case because I have a bad sense of humor. I just like messing with people a little bit. So I decided if I have to listen to this guy talk, I'm going to be the worst sinner he's ever run into. And I'm going to debate him right here on the plane. So he starts, you know, just kind of easing in. And, and, and I took him on, you know, a, a, 
an adventure of all the toughest era. What about dinosaurs? And what about this? And what about that? And, and he's working it and working it. And of course, I've been studying this for a few decades. So I just nailed him and brought him into territory I could sense he didn't know anything about. Finally, he's so frustrated because I'm out talking him. He looks at me and goes, it doesn't matter what you think. You accept Jesus, you're going to hell. So I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm a believer. I'm messing with you. Oh, he goes, but you know what? If Jesus would have sat down beside me, how do you think he'd have talked to me? He didn't have an answer for that. Today I'm going to talk about one of the core things for Springs Church that God began to deal with me on years ago when it came to being a Christian because I really wasn't impressed with what I met, sorry, in so many situations. And I'm raised in church, so. But I got to tell you another story. When I was a paramedic in a hospital for seven years, um, not only were we stationed in a hospital and we would go out to all the emergency calls, but we were also on uh, the team within the hospital. So we would go into the resus room, any nine nines, uh, et cetera. I would be on the team or whoever was on duty uh, would be on the team. And when people were passing away or going through a critical thing, often the family required their holy man to come in and pray over them. So that could be a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, um, an imam, whatever. It was just, you know, there was, and, and so we would be in there working and, and trying to save this guy's life. And then we would say, okay, family insists. Everyone just for a minute, give him a quick break. And we couldn't go anywhere because we're in the middle of a life-saving procedures. And this guy would walk into the room. And I never saw one in all of my years that walked in with a confidence that represented Jesus Christ like the New Testament. They would walk in, their eyes would go boing like this. They would hurry over to the, to the, to the body and they would do whatever their religion did. You know, sprinkle, last rites, uh, you know, Lord, whatever your will be done in Jesus' name. And as fast as they could, they got out of there. I never saw anyone last more than like 30 seconds to a minute. And that bugged me. And I thought, you know, the two stories I just told you, on one side, I got this aggressive guy that turns everybody off he ever talks to. And then on the other side, I've got men who are supposed to be representing God to people. And there's just no power. And so I, it really put within me this hunger to find out what a real Christian is supposed to be like. Is it a religious weirdo? Is it a powerless person who's supposed to blend in everywhere so no one knows what you stand for. And out of it, a friend of mine, um, Jack Whitesoul, would come visit us every year before he passed away when, I mean, he was in his 80s then, and he's with Jesus, but he was a brilliant man at studying st church and the ability to church to reach out and to do the Great Commission. And he would tell us that when he came to our church here at Springs, and this was in the Winnipeg site back then, that he didn't know churches like us. And it kind of surprised us because, you know, we said, well, what do you mean? He said that on one side has the power of God, believes in the presence of God to save people, to heal people, and you actually get miracles every week. You get salvation every week. 
And then he said, but at the same time, you have this savvy business side to you that is, uh, you know, he said that you are literally contemporary. You're relevant. People come in and, and they go, oh, okay, is this, this is what church is? This is what Jesus is? And he said, we got to think of a name for this. And I thought, well, I thought this was Jesus all along. So, I mean, like, what are we going to call it? And so he said, well, let's call it Holy Spirit-filled contemporary in ministry. I went, oh, that's a long title. I said, why don't, why don't we just call it Spirit Contemporary and let it be the two wings on the plane that if you want to know what Jesus looks like, he was filled with the presence of God. And Jesus was so relevant that whether he walked into a tax collector's home or met on the streets with alcoholics and, and prostitutes, he knew how to relate to them. Whether it was a woman in the most horrifying day of her life caught in adultery, and yet when, she, when Jesus spoke with her, she just fell in love with him. He was so relevant. He was so contemporary. Yet he was so filled with the presence of God. And I recognized that that's what I wanted to be. I don't mind blending, but if you blend so much that no one can even tell that you're doing anything for God, what are we doing for God? And if we're so abrasive and arrogant and judgmental that no one even wants to talk to us, that doesn't seem to make sense either. And so as a young man, and I begin to practice. I begin to say, God, how can I? God took me to Luke 2, 52 where it talked about the four areas that Jesus grew in. Two of them were that he grew in favor with God. They're spirit-filled. And he grew in favor with man. There's relevant and contemporary. So if Jesus grew in these two issues, then we should as well. We should be relevant wherever we are. And by the way, relevant and contemporary changes to every person you talk to. I remember at one party I was invited to, and, you know, and so we were all together meeting, and it wasn't a Christian party, it was just someone I knew, so would you please drop by, I want you to meet some people, and while I was there, I met a Hell's Angel guy, never would have known it, wearing a suit, looking cool, and we got to talking, and he was shocked uh, with how, how uh, what's the word, um, how I understood what he was going through, and what he was, and later on, gave his life to Christ, came to church, and then I was talking to another lady who was, I mean, a very wealthy woman, and she got talking to me, and she just had an abortion, and, and she was just going, and how I ministered and talked to her, totally different. One guy I was coming, hey, man, how's it going? Pound it. We just talked about stuff straight up. I like you. You just talk straight to my face, dude. I said, yeah, come on. But yet to the other lady, there was such a sensitivity of pain and heartache and brokenness as we talked. Paul says it this way. He said, when I'm with the weak, I'm as weak. When I'm with the strong, as strong. With those, those with the law, as with the law. Those without the law, as without the law. That I may win some. You have a, an amazing ability with Jesus in you to love people where they are and to not judge them. When you study the Bible, there's one way to identify a Christian. And boy, I could ask for a lot of what you thinks, but let me just tell you. It's one way to identify a Christian. And you can't even be sure, but it's the most leading symptom or sign. And it's their love. 
you will know them by their love. Now, whether or not there are gifts of the Spirit, or they get anybody on and on the list goes, but when you give your life to Christ, the overarching thing that should take place deep within you is you have an ability to love. You sense love, you feel love, and you have an ability to love. Now, if you are brokenhearted, you were raised in an unloving home, you've been abused, you've got some things to work out, but love is there. It is shed abroad in your heart, Romans 5, 5 says, by the Holy Spirit. And so that love is there. And as you begin to dive into God's word, this love for others will cause you to be kind to them. And that's witnessing. What? That's witnessing. What is being kind to them? Well, I want to give them the Romans road and the four spiritual laws and, and the list of the, the, the seven deadly sins. And I said, oh, really? How's that working for you? Well, not too good. No, because you weren't called to do that. And Jesus said, the things that I do shall you do also. And so if Jesus was filled with Holy Spirit, because it came down upon him in the shape of a dove, and then so were the 120 before they went out. It came upon them in the shape of fire. And they were filled with Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 5, 17 says that we are to maintain a spirit-filled life. And, you know, I'm not going in this area of teaching, but and that means that we are in his word and we're in prayer. With, with such an ongoing passion that you just maintain a fullness. The Bible says that your renewal should be day by day. It shouldn't just be like once a month or once a year. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go to a conference and get renewed. You have the ability to stay spiritually full every day. And God's given us that ability. But then the thing I was gonna talk about today was this contemporary side, this relevant side that so many people, um, you know, I've traveled the world and helped train pastors in so many denominations. I've lost count of how many. And I found that there has been a disconnect and a backing away from the work of Holy Spirit. Now, we know that God the Father, three in one, three persons, one God. In the Old Testament, you hear about God all the time. It's God. And you'll find, of course, the Godhead there. But then in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's all about Jesus in a physical body. But then after he dies and rises again, he says, I'm sending Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is this incredible agent, if you want to call him, on the ground. All the gifts of the Spirit flow because of him. Salvation and the regeneration of the human spirit takes place because of Holy Spirit. And yet, most people I talk to have never heard much about him. They don't, they just think it's some kind of obscure shadow or cloud or it's kind of the presence of God. It's when I sing a really happy song or a really worshipy song, I know. But they haven't learned much about him. And yet the Bible teaches us that we are to fellowship with Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us if you want to walk as a son or a daughter in the favor and the blessing of God, it's not just claiming a promise, it's listening to Holy Spirit. 
And that as you learn to get to hear him greater and greater, that he will guide you in every area of your life. Yes, there's a protection. Yes, there's favor. Yes, there's blessing. But if you've never learned to spend time with him, and I often share, I always tend to share the same stories because they sometimes work so well with the teaching point. But many times in my life, you know, because I'm on television or who knows why, we've had many death threats and weird things happen in my world. And I remember one time being at a restaurant by myself, having a cup of coffee. And as I went to pay for it, I looked at the doors walking out and I just sensed inside this kind of foreboding feeling. Don't walk out the door. And right away I knew it was Holy Spirit. I don't hear words, I get sensings, I get knowings. And the more time you spend with him, the more you can hear his voice. Like you know the voice of your spouse. Why? You hear it all the time. And so I, I kept walking, but as I got closer to the door, I'm thinking, well, this is Holy Spirit. And, and then I just, it just got stronger. Do not walk out that door. So I turned around, walked out, and went, went out through the kitchen. And they were even hollering, what are you doing? And I walked out, walked out one of the side doors, got into my car, and thought, was that just pizza, or did I hear something from God? So I drove my car around to the main entrance, and there was a man with his back against the door, beside the door, and in his hand, I could see that it was at nighttime. I could see this glinting, it looked like a knife, and I just drove off. I didn't know why, I didn't know what was going on. I have just often, many times in my life, listened and obeyed the prompting of Holy Spirit. And if you want to walk in the fullness of what God is trying to do in your life, you can't blindly just say, I'm born again and everything's going to be okay. No, the Bible actually says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Or let me put it to you in a way that will help understand. As many as listen to the voice of God and are led by him, they function as sons in their inheritance capacity of as sons and he'll guide you and lead you and protect you and he'll show you things to not do because of your health rather than just heal you we've forgotten sometimes that Holy Spirit leads us and he guides us and his power is there to flow through us now where should I go let's go here when you study leaders in the Bible Besides the presence of God in their lives, let's pick on the Old Testament. Wherever God uses a man or a woman, he, of course, his presence in the Old Testament would be upon them, which was the king, the priest, uh, and, you know, and, and the prophet. And so there'd be an anointing upon him. They, couldn't, they weren't born again back then. But they would, he got, you, you'll find that God would always take them through a teaching that would make them relevant. I'll give you an example. Moses was the one who walked into Pharaoh's courts and said, you let my people go. And then he takes two million people out into the desert and he's got to figure out what to do with babies and moms and where do you go to the bathroom without getting sick and where's the water supply and the food supply and how do you deal with countries? Well, the thing about Moses, get this, when he was a baby, they were killing all the male babies, the Egyptians. And so his mom made a little boat, put Moses in it as a baby and pushed him down the river and sent his sister to follow along the bank to make sure he was okay. This little ark or boat happens to drift right into the area where the princess or the daughter of the Pharaoh is bathing. And so she scoops this baby and it's a Hebrew and this little smart sister goes over and says, ma'am, you know, would you like me to find a nurse? Uh, if you've summoned a nurse, yeah, could you? She went back and got Moses' mom. So Moses was raised by his mom, but also trained 
in the hallways of the palace, educated as a pharaoh. The Bible says very clearly that by the time he was 40, he was already a man of renown when it comes to being a general and leading uh, chariots, 600,000 chariots through the desert. He was trained in desert warfare, trained in leadership, trained in systematic structures of running the kingdom and building and design, all of these things. He was trained at the highest possible level. And then at 80 years of age, he went in and took God's people into the desert. Isn't that interesting? How well trained he was to handle the situations, the people, and the terrain that he was called to go to. Very contemporary, very relevant. Then there's a man named Joseph. Now Joseph, he was a good guy. He had a bit of a big mouth, but he was a good guy. And his dad had a bit of an issue. He had a favorite son, which you should never do. Talk about mess with a family, just have a favorite. So he bought him a coat of many colors, and Joseph is the man, and his brothers are jealous. And then Joseph, of course, he's telling him his dreams. All my brothers bow down to me, and my parents bow down to me. And, uh, you know. and so they hated him for it. And when he came out into the fields, they saw him and said, let's kill him. Let's just kill him. Let's get rid of this guy. And then one brother intervened, and they said, no, let's just, let's just sell him. And I think there was a, a slave caravan going by, and they just sold him to the slave caravan, took his coat of many colors, covered it in goat's blood, and told the dad, he's dead. Oh, well, that wild animal had killed him. Joseph then goes onto the slave block, where Potiphar, who is one of the top generals, okay, in the king's uh, country, one of the top, he hires him. Now, he doesn't speak the language, doesn't know the customs. He's just a young man in his teens, probably. And, but as he brings him into his house, he develops so quickly, the Bible says God was with him and Joseph was a successful man. And everything he put his hand to succeeded. And so around the house, he was, I mean, he's inviting the top guests of the country in, if not all the governing people. And so Joseph had to learn customs and eating and, and all the things you had to do there and languages. But he was so good. He put him in charge of his orchards and he put him in charge of his vineyards and he put him in charge of his animals until he ran everything. He understood the customs of that country, he understood everything. Then his wife decides she wants him. And thank God he's strong enough to go, no, I can't do this. He shrugs out of his jacket as she's grabbing him. She wanted him. And she ends up with a jacket. She tells her husband, he tried to rape me. They throw him in jail. And here he has just had an education in the customs of the country, business of the country, the royalty of the country, management systems of agriculture, business, trade, etc. Now he's in jail. And he begins to help the warden until the warden makes him the top guy in the jail. Now he understands liars, conmen, murderers, you know, all these people. He understands them all. And if you, as you go through the story, the king puts two of his staff, the baker and the wine taster, end up in jail. While they're in jail, they both have dreams. They'd made friends with Joseph. And he tells one guy, you're, you're going to be set free. And he says, when you are, would you tell the king about me? And then he told the other guy that what his dream meant is that you're going to die. Wouldn't that be an awful dream to interpret for somebody? And it happened just like he said. A little while later, he'd forgotten about Joseph, but the king had a dream. And none of his wise men could interpret it. 
So he says, there was a guy in jail who interpreted dreams and they brought him out and Joseph went in there and God worked through him and he told him the dream as to what was going to be happening to his country. And the king said to him, I'm putting you in charge, number two, under me, and you're going to run the entire country. You're going to begin to tax. You're going to begin to figure this out. Well, where did he learn all this? He learned all this through Potiphar. And when people tried to rip him off and, and, and lie to him, he'd learned that in jail. Talk about a cultural understanding of how he, and preparing him and the position that he maintained not only saved the then known world, but his own family was saved from starvation because of Joseph. And, and here's what I want to say to you as a Christian and as uh, here at Springs Church, it's crucial to me that you learn to have a relationship with God and his word so that you maintain a spirit filled life. But that's one wing of the plane. But a plane doesn't fly with one wing. The other wing of the plane is that you need to be contemporary and relevant everywhere you go. You don't can the gospel and attack people with it or judge them or look down upon them. You are to walk and live like Jesus. But at the same time, we're not called to be nothing we're called to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, salt and light to the generation that we are in. It's stunning to me that the old covenant had so many incredible men and women who saved countries, and the new covenant, we've accepted, you know, just stay dumb till he comes and blend in, be irrelevant, or be crazy and wild and weird, and both ditches for every mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch, and we need to find a people who will love Jesus, understand the move of his spirit, and then train and learn and grow so that you can walk into a C-suite and understand how to be a CFO, a CMO, a CEO. Walk into a, a mother's soccer team or a dad's you know, golf group and relate and become friends and, and be able to minister by just being kind. Kind might be just listening to a person who's having a rough day. Kind might be Someone's dying and all you're doing is giving them a few kind words. And then as you ask if you could pray for them, the gifts of healing goes into operation and heals him. As we simply look at people and love them and let God develop the love in you, something else will help happen. And I'm not speaking to anybody here, just, you know, you'll stop being so self-centered. I'm going to say something and don't ever forget this. Self-centeredness is the beginning of demonic involvement. Satan has no ability to, to harass or to stay in a, involved in someone's life where they are filled with the Spirit of God. You submit to God, resist the devil, he flees, which means run in terror. Don't submit to God, try to resist the devil, you'll probably be not doing so good. And so in our lives, as we begin to learn to develop love, to recognize that when I spend time with God and in his word, that love develops and I can love the unlovely. Now that doesn't mean that it makes you naive. 
That's why Joseph, in the jail for how many years, he learned not to be naive, con man, rapist, liar, uh, you know, backstabber, murderer. And Christians sometimes, if, if we're not going to be, uh, you know, this condescending, judgmental that no one can stand, then we're this naive little Christian, bless you, peace, peace, and you know, I'll pray for you, God bless you. So irrelevant to the people in our world, but to be spirit contemporary to be spiritually alive. The disciples, when they would begin to speak and talk with people, they could tell they'd been with Jesus. Wow, what a strength. Love is not weakness, okay? Love means to value someone. It doesn't mean to get goosebumps in your leg pops. And so as you learn to develop and become disciplined in his word and begin to find out who Holy Spirit is, your life's gonna radically change. You're gonna find that you don't have to manufacture love or the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to manufacture the nine gifts of the Spirit. But if you simply live in love, you'll grow in the fruits, which is character and quality. But then as you just be kind to people, you find the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow in your life, and you'll be in awe. I became in awe as a young man in a hospital, praying with people as we raced for the hospital from accidents and stabbings and rapes and, and all the horrible things that I began to witness. I began to pray. I learned how to pray in an intensive care and not get fired. I learned how to share my faith or not, depending upon how I sensed as I was with different people. And I found that almost nobody ever rejected me if I would speak to them with a spirit of love and in a relevant way. And that's my challenge to you today. Stop blending, but don't be like arrogant and let people sense and speak up for the Jesus that has changed your life. I don't want to stand one day before God and however this is going to work out on the, you know, the white throne judgment and have someone say, Leon, why didn't you tell me? We worked together for years and you never told me. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? I don't want that to happen. So I want to be able to represent Jesus in a way that people will respond to. And if you think walking down the streets that people are on the inside as sharp as they look on the outside, they're not. And if you think people are as happy as the fake smile that they've got on the outside, on the inside, they're not. And if you'll let Jesus just use you and work through you, you'll bring tremendous freedom and joy. When I'm usually done just talking with someone or, 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 or visiting with them, they'll look at me and they'll just say, thank you for speaking up. Just thank you for talking to me. Because why? When you share Jesus' love in a relevant way, people love what you have to present. Father, I pray today that you would touch each person here in a very powerful way. That, Father, we would not just blend but, Father, we would become spiritually alive and filled. We'd be contemporary, relevant, in a way that can bring the message of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus into the situations where we are. Help us. Every head bowed for just a moment. There's a very powerful thing that you can do today. I did it. And that is to open your heart to Jesus and invite him in. Now so many, so many people don't know. They'll just say, Leon, like I'm, I'm not sure. Well, he will never force himself into your heart. 
And so if you're not sure, I'm going to lead you in an amazing prayer. It's simply a prayer of inviting Christ in. And when you do, you become born again. Your entire um, history is finished. You are a brand new creation. You're accepted into God's family. You get a brand new start, something everybody dreams about. So I'm going to lead you in that prayer. All of us are going to pray it out loud. But just let me ask you one question for, for those that are here across the auditorium that would say, Leon, I'm not sure. So would you include me? If you'd like to be included and you're making a decision today to give your life to Christ, would just you folks open your eyes for a minute and just give me a wave all over the auditorium. Just, yep, include me. And I want to make sure. Thank you. Others. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Praise Jesus. Let's all pray out loud with these amazing folks making this decision. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus who qualified me to be in your family as a forgiven new creation. So Jesus, I accept. Come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I'm following you now for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. That's how powerful, how beautiful that is.